check your mics. Check your mics. There's the sound of heavy breathing coming from the front yard. I repeat, heavy breathing coming from the front yard. Well, we're glad to be back. We haven't been in a while. I think the last episode we did was January, I think. February. Was it February? Yeah, it was, it was, it was early. Yeah, it was early February. Um, we had a lot going on, shift changes, promotions. Uh, a dear friend of ours, Bob, he passed away, so that kind of took yeah. up some time. Yeah. He'll one, be missed. That um, besides that, now we're hoping to get back on track. We're hoping to put out episodes on a regular uh, basis now. Um, we do have a special guest with us. No, you know, I, I shoot, it goes back to, I think, 2010 when I met you initially, Chris the Coast Fire Academy. Um, we have Eric Stevenson with us with the First Responders Pure Net Support Network. How you doing? Doing good. Thanks for having me. Good to see you, you guys again. Yeah, appreciate we're glad you guys to have coming you on. So uh, we're jumping right in. First, we're going to ask you, um, how'd you get, like, what's, what's your, give us a little into you. Who is Eric Stevenson? Well, um, you know, how long you on, been in the service? Put you on the spot real quick. I am, I'm retired. Okay. I can I can finally say that I'm retired. Um, did not retire the way that I wanted to, though. Mm -hmm. uh, but still just shy of 30 years in the fire department. Okay. Um, retired with Atlantic Beach Fire Department as a shift captain. Um, and I ended up going out on a medical disability retirement okay. due to my own personal struggles with PTSD, anxiety, okay. depression issues. Um, and that was, that was one thing that prompted me to, to start my, my program. Okay. Yeah. That's what so, we we're going to ask is one of the things is, um, uh, what did you use off your personal experience? I, I'm assuming starting this was based off a lot of your own personal experiences of what you may went through? Yeah, a absolutely it was. Um, Chief Snyder. Yeah. I'm you know, Chief uh, Chief was absolutely my best friend. Adam was, was my best friend. Um, and he had come to me um, talking to me about some of the problems, some of the struggles that he was going through personally yeah. uh, with some mental health issues. Um, and I could relate to him on everything that he was saying, yeah. but I wasn't being honest with myself about my own struggles. And Adam actually dragged me along one day. I was kind of voluntold <laughs> that I had to go take this two-day class with him. And I was like, where, where are we going? What are we doing? He said, it is a peer support training class. Um, really had no, no intention on wanting to go, getting, getting involved in something like that. Um, but he dragged me along and it was something that I was very interested in, uh, once I saw what it was all about, um, joined another peer support team okay. along with Adam, um, and things were good, you know, still not being honest with myself though yeah. on what was going on. Uh, so was I a good peer support person? No, uh, not at all. Because I, I wasn't taking care of myself, which in turn, truly, I couldn't take care of anybody else. Um, and I was really compounding a whole lot of my own issues by not offloading any of my, my stress, my anxiety, my bad calls, whatever else. And now I'm helping, trying to help other individuals. And it, 
it wasn't all that great for me. Um, okay. Actually made my symptoms and my problems worse than what they truly were. Um, back and forth with Adam, we were still communicating. Uh, yeah. I still wasn't letting Adam know anything that was going on with me. Um, and when when I lost Adam, when we lost Adam, yeah. um, you know, in that skiing accident, um, that was horrible. That was absolutely devastating for me. Um, and I struggled really, really bad with that. And it really brought things to the forefront for okay. me. Um, but one incident, even before that, um, that really pushed me over the edge, you know, we see a lot of bad things with what we do. Um, bad calls, bad fires, medical, car wrecks, whatever. We all know the deal. Yeah. Um, and I was struggling with that stuff. But what really pushed me over the edge was Hurricane Florence. Okay. Yeah. Uh, natural disaster. And I had been through them before, but this one was different. Uh, yeah. For, yeah, yeah. Um, that was different. first storm since um, my wife and I had been married um, that we were both going to have to be separated during a storm, uh, a major significant storm anyway. Um, and that really played with my head in a negative way. Um, and right then I knew that something was, was truly wrong. Um, and Adam took care of me, though. Uh, Adam is the first person that got me in touch with a, a mental health professional, uh, talking to a counselor, things like that, talking about my anxiety, my depression, my suicidal ideations, you know, things like that. Um, and so when, when Adam, when Adam's accident occurred, um, that brought my world to a, to a screeching halt. You know, the one person that I could truly connect with, um, was no longer here wasn't able to help me or anything else um and so i i ended up long story short that was almost a two-year process for me uh i ended up going out on a medical disability retirement okay. um and i struggled when i left the fire department i knew it was the best decision that i could make for me and for my wife um which was hard Oh, you know, yeah. this is something probably just like you guys, you know, since I was, you know, three, four feet tall, this is all I ever wanted to do. Yeah. Right. Um, so I, I struggled with that really bad. And um, I knew that one thing that would help me with my recovery is finding a purpose bigger than myself. Um, still keeps me affiliated with emergency services. I get to talk to people on a regular basis. I'm taking care of myself and this is now my, my new passion in, in life here. Okay. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Our program, we've been up and running now, uh, three years and every single day I get the opportunity to, to help people, you know, to talk to people, to let them know they're not alone in the, you know, there is light at the end of the tunnel, and it, it's super rewarding for me. Nice. That's, um, I got a, a question here. Um, and maybe you could draw off your personal experience. What would you say to that person who's out there, you know, first responder, be it whatever, and they're on that at edge where they want to seek help, but they're scared to seek help? Because, you know, even today, the stigma that comes along with one of the guys on, oh, one of the guys on shift has mental health issues or scared. 
Are their guys going to trust them anymore? Are there, is their job going to trust them to do the work anymore? Right. What would you say to that guy who's like on the edge, who wants to get help, but he's just scared to ask? What What would you say to that person or advice you would say to them to, hey, you need to go do this? The One, there is, there is nothing wrong with asking for help. You know, you've got to do it for the right reason. Um, and do not be afraid of what other people's thoughts are. We can't change what other people's yeah. thoughts are. Uh, there is still a huge stigma attached to, to reaching out for help. Uh, but if you're doing it for the right reasons, you know that you need to get help. You know, think about the reasons why. You know, my reason why was, was my wife. Yeah. Even above me, it was my wife. You know, that she was the reason why I needed to to still continue to fight, wanting to get help because I wanted to be I wanted to be here. Okay, yeah. You know, is what it came down to. Um my personal my personal struggle, um being being that strong person, just like Adam. You knew Adam yes, sir. very well. Yes, sir. You know, six foot three, two hundred and forty, two hundred and fifty pounds. Intimidating looking guy when you first... And for somebody to be able to show that vulnerability and say, I'm not okay, you know, that's huge coming from, from somebody like that. And what Adam did, he planted a seed for me. Uh and he created that ripple. And it's like, okay, if he can do it, I can do it. And that was huge for me. Um, don't worry about what other people think. You know, absolutely not. You know, do it for you. Do it for your family. Do it for the right reasons. There, there's not a wrong reason when you, when you admit, I want help. Um, is there a fear associated with that? Yes. Um, when I opened up to my shift about what my my struggles were, what my problems were, that was very difficult for me. I was scared of some of the things that you just mentioned, Tim, of are they going to trust my decision-making? Are they going to think differently of me? Um, all those negative thoughts. Yeah. And those, those are just blocking beliefs. You know, don't worry about that. Be upfront, be honest. And once I did that, we were sitting around a table just like this. And... I gathered my guys up. We sat down, and I started telling them what my what my problems were, um, and what some of my fears were about going on certain types of calls and things like that. And the response I got was one hundred percent different than what the thoughts in my head were going to be. Always, um, always is. It it truly was. It was a huge relief. Just like, thank gosh, you know, I was kind of sabotaging myself. And I wish I had done it sooner, you know, is really what it, it came down to. Um, because my guys, they said, well, thank God you're human. Yeah. And absolutely I am. You know, I hurt just like everybody else. And I was brought up in the fire service where you never showed that type of emotion. You couldn't talk about any of that stuff. And I lived up to that, that persona. Um, and it was horrible. It created a lot of damage that... You know, if I had done, if I had done this stuff, you know, 15, 18 plus years ago, heck, I still might be able to be on the job. Um, I, I don't know. Um, but there's a possibility, you know, what it did for me mentally, what it did to my family, 
mentally? Um, was it worth keeping it all buried inside? Absolutely not. You know, I, I've almost lost my life on the job, and I've almost lost my life because of the job as well. Um, do not be afraid to ask for help. You know, it is, it is one of the strongest things that we can do. You know, one of the hardest things that I probably did was being able to keep it buried and try to hide it from people. Right. You know, it was easy, but it became so tiring to do it over and over again. Just draining, huh? Yeah. Emotionally draining, yeah. physically. And you saw some of the negative effects of that. You went through the fire academy. Yeah. Um, I was not the most pleasant person to hey, be around. It was, um, in my head, it was a fire academy, man. You got to make it hard on us. Yeah. You know, and I, that then I would just get into fire service because, you know, I didn't have that experience that I do now to realize, hey, this guy is just being hard on us because it's the fire academy. No, and to, to be honest with you, that's the way that I was, whether I was at the fire academy, whether I was on shift, whether I was at home, I was a miserable person to be around. And I see that now. Yeah. And that it's easy for me to say that. Does it still sting a little bit? Yes, but I own it. Yeah. You know, because I was unhappy with myself, the easiest way for me to release that was on other people. And unfortunately, I lost a lot of relationships. I lost a lot of friendships um, that I know I'm not going to be able to mend. I've tried. Some people have been gracious enough to to help us, you know, reunite reunite a, a friendship, but others irreparable. One hundred percent on me. Yeah, I was at uh, I was at the Ritz School a couple of years ago, and you were teaching with JJ. And one of my things was I don't like getting my name or my department name called. I remember walking away from the residential building. You know, we're tired all day out there, y'all drilling us hard, and um, I didn't connect my bottle up. And I go to turn on, we're running to the next next thing, and it starts start going off. And you and JJ are sitting right behind me, and both of y'all scream Surf City, and I'm like, man, I, all week, dude, and <laughs> nothing bad. You know, hey, I needed it, and. I remember that. And then from now on, I was like, hey, Eric Stevens is not going to call my name for the rest of the week. <laughs> you know, nothing bad. You know, I was like, man, that guy's, that guy's tough. You know, I, I went on. But what I was going to say is, you know, the fire service, you know, I think that's where we fell at because, you know, what do you train on as becoming an officer, right? Leadership, integrity, honesty, true, true trustworthy. But with that trustworthiness is where this stuff comes into play. Right. And so I struggled with it early on, you know, not going to – any bad calls been having my fair share just like everybody else has and not calling and checking on them, you know, and nobody calling and checking on me, but that's, Hey, that's okay. I'm supposed to do the checking on, right. As a, as a leader, I'm supposed to be the one to call you and make sure you're okay. But you know, I'm not going to tell you my feelings because I'm supposed to be the strong one. I'm supposed to be the one you look up to and be okay with. And I, I think I see that more now. So I sit down and nothing on this, on this case, you know, cause I'm just learning about it as we go along. You know, I've seen you and Deb a lot at these conferences now and paying attention more to it. But you know, I sit down with my crew each time I get a new crew or people change, I sit them all down. I lay it on the line and I'll tell you my weaknesses. I'll tell you right now, I suck at something. And I'm trying to get better at it. Just a couple months ago, just came onto a new shift, sat all six of my guys, five of my guys down and said, look, I've been stinking at training here lately. I've been concentrating on something else, you know, and I, but, but getting the truth out to them, right. you know, saying, hey, look, this is what I suck at as, as a leader, as an officer, as, as someone y'all are supposed to follow in the heat of the moment. You know, this is where my weaknesses are at. This is what I suck at, and this is what I'm going to focus on. And it, I can see it can transfer over this more, you know, and then talking about it. And we've gone to some bad calls, and I'll ask some people, hey, you know, you're good. And they're like, yeah, and, you know, it's that tough fireman mentality. Yeah, I'm good. And then they go home, and then, you know, do I call them and check on them? 
you know, we had we had a bad call a couple months ago, and we're checking on some medics, and I'm checking on my guys, and I'm calling them. You know, we were going to go sit through that uh, CISM class. Right. And, you know, and I, I call my guys, and, and they're like, nah, I'm okay. I'm like, are, are you, though? Like, are you sure? You know, like, hey, this is me in Utah, right? Well, I'm on the phone. We're not at the firehouse. We're not in my office. You know, no one can see us. This conversation is not leaving, you know, what we talk about. And they're like, nah, I'm, I'm okay. You know, I, I'm like, okay, like, hey, you have my number. Call me. I'll figure out how to get you help. Like, As, absolutely, man. The The vulnerability part of it is huge. Yeah. And what that does is like what I mentioned before, that's going to create a ripple. And that's going to allow people to know that they can put trust in you, that not just as an officer, but as a friend. Yeah. And when I sat my guys down and they told me, thank God you're human. That's when it clicked in my head that I had let my crew down as an officer, yeah. that no matter what the call was, they told me I was the same way across the board. You know, it could be an activated fire alarm or it could be, you know, a three alarm fire. My demeanor was the same way. Um, and it's like a duck on the top of the water. We're perfectly fine. Oh. But underneath, what are we doing? We're Paddle, kicking, kicking, yeah. kicking. Right. Um, and I always try to be that calm up top. Never let anybody know what was going on inside of me. And I lost track of what some of my responsibilities as an officer were making sure that my crew was okay, not just while we were operating, but afterwards as well. And it didn't make a difference if maybe that was the hundredth time that I've seen that call. It might have been maybe the first or second time that one of my crew members saw it. Yeah. Um, might not affect me, but it doesn't mean it didn't affect anybody else. Um, and I had lost all track of that. And so that changed my thought mentality as an officer, made me feel horrible about what I had done previously as an officer, yeah. being able to show that vulnerability and let your people know we're here and we're going to get those same answers that you just mentioned. I'm good. I'm fine. Everything's okay. Guaranteed. Those are top three answers. Whenever I have a peer contact or I see somebody, Hey, how's it going? Oh, I'm good. I'm fine. Everything's okay. And following up, just like you said, you sure? Yeah. You know, the, that's really that's really great. Um, Scott Hackler. You know, I think we all know who Scott Hackler is. Um, Scott is really good at it. Uh, whenever you have an introduction with Scott or you haven't seen him in a while, he'll shake your hand. He'll pull you in. Hey, how are you? I'm good. And he'll look at you and he'll still hold your hand. No. How's Eric really doing? Man. This isn't just a canned question that yeah. he's throwing out there. It's right. true, genuine, con genuine concern for you. Um, and sometimes that's what, what the people need. And you know, we might run across some of them that I refer to as onions. You know, you know that they might be struggling. You just let them know that you're there. Right. You know, and then you check in with them you know, a day or so later, maybe your next shift back, on, back at the firehouse. Hey, how's it going? I'm good. You sure? Yeah, well, I'm I'm here if you want to talk. You do that enough, eventually somebody's going to realize that you're not just blowing smoke at them. Right. And they're going to be able to put that trust in you. And you might ask that question one day, and they're going to say, well, I'm not doing all that great. Or that call from last week, I've been having trouble with it. Can we sit down and talk? 
and that's like the aha moment. Yeah. Yes, thank God we've made a connection with somebody. Yeah. Now, um, we we've, we've mentioned your wife Deb a couple of times. Um, for those who don't know, Deb, first responder, probably 20 plus years, I'm assuming, if not yeah, more. Yeah, 20, 25 plus years for, um, for Deb. She can answer. She's listening. She just she said, hey, did hey, you, did you find it easier having a spouse who can relate to the job like you can? Or did you find that as being more difficult? Because, and, and I don't know your wife's personal experiences, but I don't know what she might have been going through at the same time. Was it easier having a spouse that knew all about the same type of stuff? Or did it? harder because they may have had some issues it, going on it made it more difficult and whenever i go out and i i get to speak i have a speaking engagement or i'm doing a class or whatever else um i always ask the question you know who has a spouse that's in the same field of work um and the number is not really as high as i thought that it would be um and so when i share the relationship between Deb and I and two first responders living in the same household that we should be able to share without a problem, Yeah, you know, because we know, and I'm not going to hold back of how bad a particular call might've been uh, because I know my wife is going to be able to, to understand Mm -hmm. everything, gory detail, whatever else. Um, But Deb and I very rarely ever shared our personal struggles and my wife struggled with her mental health as well um but we never shared that end of things things that we would share about work the usual bs Mm, man you you won't believe what i had to do today or this the supervisor yeah the supervisor stuff um and it wasn't anything really meat and potatoes wise on what was bothering us about the job. Um, and it was basically because I didn't want to dump my burdens on her. She didn't want to dump her burdens on me. You know, if I'm coming home from work and she, she's been home or maybe she's coming home off a shift and I'm at the house, last thing that we want to do talk work. is talk work. And we didn't want to be dumping each other's burdens on each other because we both had our own supervisory bullcrap probably that we were we were dealing with and um that actually hurt us more than anything in our relationship um it took it took one particular incident um and i always relate it to i didn't realize that there was a wrong way to load a dishwasher (laughs) you know and something something very very similar to that um you know, something simple as that, that really got the gears spinning in our head that, man, something's not right here. And I'm going to call her out on it. Uh, she's heard me talk about it before. We use it in our presentation that we put together about it. Um, that I was home. She came home from work one day and she went to unload her stuff and she was putting Tupperware or something in the dishwasher. And next thing I know, I'm I'm the worst thing in the house right now and I'm getting yelled at I'm getting hollered at and I was like over the dishwasher being loaded the wrong way something's not right uh and what it was I I was a soft target you know we sometimes take for granted that spouse that other person living in the household and we get used to to certain things we get comfortable in a relationship and 
I was just that that punching bag at the moment. Right. Um, and that immediately clicked something in, in both our heads that I'm not the problem. You know, this is spillover from work and I'm, I'm just catching the brunt of it. Uh, we were really good at arguing. Uh, we were really good at fighting and making excuses for things. And what we sucked at doing was actually communicating with each other. You know, so we came up with a very simple form of communication. It didn't make a difference who was home first or who was coming off a shift. Whenever that person was coming home off of, of work, first question, how was your day? It's not rocket science. Yeah. You know, it's not a difficult question. How was your day? I know if I ask that question, I'm going to get one of two answers. It was good or it was bad. Second question, do you want to talk about it? Another very simple question we should be very comfortable asking that to our spouse. Uh, and we had never done that previously. So if, if I came home or Deb came home and that first question, how was your day? It was a bad day. Do you want to talk about it? No, I don't. Okay. That puts me in the thought process now of if our day is not going well uh, or she has short, snippy answers or she has an attitude, okay. I've been preempted on this already. I know she had a crappy day. It's probably not anything that I did personally against her. I'm catching spillover from work. Um, that was a game changer for us right there. Uh, if we had a bad day, the question was asked, and do you want to talk about it? Yes, I do. Great. Let's go. Air it all out, and we're, we're going to be able to move forward and have a, have a good day. Um, unfortunately, we don't see – a lot of good communication between the spouses, um, especially if they do work the same job. Uh, I understand some of the struggles of first responders that don't have first responder spouses that they feel like they can't share because pe their spouse is not going to understand yeah. some of the difficult issues or the difficult conversation. Um, so, yeah, that that was a game changer for us right there, and that prompted us to put a program together called Success on the Home Front, yeah. uh, which talks about the spousal relationship outside of the firehouse, uh, whether you are two first responders or you're not. And that's something that we're, we're incorporating into the, the fire academies now as well. Not that program in particular, but if you have a spouse, they have a right to know. You know, if calls are affecting you, if work is affecting you in any, any negative way, you need to let your spouse know. You know, they have that right to know. Yeah, I actually wrote that down. I went on the website earlier today, and I was sitting in my office going over some stuff and uh, checked, checked everything out, and I actually seen it, uh, success on the home front. And I, was, I actually got right here explaining what that's about. But going back, you know, the bad calls we had, you know, I don't – my wife's not. She's been her, – her family's been in emergency services, fire, EMS – you know, I'll come home and, you know, if we had that bad call, I'll tell her, like, hey, you know, I had a bad call. You know, kid, my, my daughter will kind of kick up. I don't want to say anything bad in front of her. You know, I kind of want to shield her, you know, and I'm thinking, is it a good thing or is it a bad thing to shield her from it? And to know that, to, to hide it from her, that it's out there. But, you know, I don't want her to experience it just yet. You know, she needs, she's a kid. She needs to be a kid. And so we'll come home and, I, and I'll tell her, you know, hey, I had a really bad call. You know, this is what happened. And, and I'll, sometimes I'll leave out some of the, the bad, gory stuff, you know, the, Make sure, you know, she she doesn't know it. And sometimes I just lay it all on her. Like, hey, this is what happened. 
you know, we, a couple of years ago we got, I've talked about this a lot and I shared this experience. Um, I write about it a lot in, in classes through homework, you know, we were in a smoke explosion, you know, and, and we told her, we, we, ex- we I shared that to her and, uh, I didn't want to, cause I didn't want her to scare. I didn't want her to come back and be like, Hey, you're done being a fireman. Right. And this is what, I love this job so much. And I, I didn't want anything to tear it away from me. You know, you know, this is a, a mistress that is just bad for your spouse. You know, it's that, that, that dirty, ugly mistress hiding in a closet that you can't seem to let go of. And so, you know, we, uh, another captain at the time, I, I mean, I was, I was a fireman at the time and, uh, he, he thought some bad stuff happened when we were in the house. We come out, oh. we were fine. Yeah. I was standing you know, in the front yard. A house exploded they were done for. Us. We didn't know what happened. All I did was open up a bathroom door and next thing you know, I'm standing on the tarmac of ILM and covered in flames and we walk outside and it can happen. And that's yeah. when it really, it really clicked in my head that this stuff you see across the country can happen to you. Right. And so we went back and I finally told her, I was like, Hey, like today was was probably going to be the day, you know, a, a devastating tragedy day for, for you and, and the family. And she goes, what in the world? And I said, I was in an explosion today. And, and junior really, you know, the captain that was there really explained it to her what he's seen on the outside, what I've seen on the inside. And, you know, right then and there, she knew that the job was real, but she knew that it was, Man, it was real, real. Yeah. I was standing in the front yard on that call when that went off and everybody in that front yard, every single person who was there thought that him and he was inside with another one of our guys, Mark, we were like, oh, that, that, that there's no, they didn't survive. There's no Mayday coming. They're not alive in there. Right. Like, everybody is, it's like scattering quick, trying to, you know, and, uh, and you know, writ, not writ, you know, all that, that whatever. Yep. Um, we thought they were done. Like, there's no way. The amount of fire and everything, it, it shook the whole house off of its foundation. And, uh, yeah, we were, we were like, well, we're going in and recovering two of our own out of this house now. Right. So everybody's scattering. They come walking out the front door like nothing ever happened. <laughs> They're like, what is going on? And everybody's yeah. eyes are probably huge. And them two walk out like it's just a, what's going on, guys? And everybody's like, oh, you're alive. Yeah. Like, it was it was a crazy call. And that, that call had a positive outcome. Yeah. yeah. But what it does to you up here yeah. afterwards, not just you being – directly involved in it but everybody that was on that scene you know what is their thought process going to be to the next fire that they go oh, it's to still in my mind, it's always right? in the back of your head hey, right what, what's behind because you know all it was was a I opened up a bathroom we don't know really what caused it but i know before it happened all i did was open up a bathroom door look and the next thing you know it happened so you know when we're inside fires now you know i'm skeptical about like do I really need to open up this door? Because I've been through it once. I got lucky. I walked away unscratched, you know, but it's those things that I don't tell my wife sometimes. And and, and again, like I said, I, I'll share it. Like we're laying in bed and I'm like, Hey, look, this is what really happened after the kids are asleep, you know? And she'll ask you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I am. You yeah. know, I'm not just lying to you to say that I'm okay and brush it off. If I'm going to break down to anybody, it's probably going to be my wife first. That's good. You know, it, it really is. Your spouse has the right to know. Oh, yeah. And I always break it down to, to two different versions. You can tell them the, the Disney version <laughs> or you can tell them the Quentin Tarantino version. Yeah, that's you know, but you have to tell them when yeah. things aren't right on the inside, no matter how trivial it might sound or whatever else, especially if if they're starting to see some sort of negative impact. Uh behavior changes, mood changes, you know, withdrawal, whatever the case is. And they're, they're poking at it maybe, uh, trying to figure out what it is. And if you just keep covering it up because you think that you're protecting them, 
we're actually hurting that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I got a little pair of ears. Sometimes I'll talk to my wife, you know, tell her about what's going on. I got this little seven year old pair of ears that's more into it. Like he'll heal me, mention something to my wife and he'll come up with a million questions. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I got to make sure I got to look around. Like, where is he? If yeah. I, so, <laughs> that little guy, he'll ask, he'll ask me, like I was talking about a call the other day with my wife and he heard it and it went from my wife talking to my wife. Now he's sitting there drilling 60 me. minutes drilling me. What was, you know, just asking, I mean, his is out of curiosity, Yeah, but it was like, okay. Yeah, and even even with the kids, yeah. you know, Deb and I, we don't have any kids together, um, but we do get that question a lot. How do I tell my kids? Well, just tell them that you you had a bad call or it, it wasn't a, a really good day at work, and I'm upset. You know, yeah. you got to give them some some information, but. We don't want to damage them. Yeah, we don't yeah, want to yeah. scar them. Um, and we definitely don't want them to be afraid for you to go to work anymore. Yeah. You know, because then we're, we are doing that emotional damage that, oh, my gosh, daddy's gone to work and he, he might not come home. What if he had another call like that and he, he doesn't come home? You know, I think that's where I explain to you. You know, we watch those TV shows, you know, Chicago Fire and all, you know, the, the dramatic TV to make it worse. And my 10 my year old asked, hey, does that really happen? Well, to that extent, no, probably not because it's TV and it's drama. So they're going to make it seem like it's bad. But, you know, it can. And I'll explain to her, like, hey, yeah. you know, yeah, it, it could, you know, and she'll ask some questions and I'll say, you know, I could get hurt. And she understands. And sometimes, you know, there for a minute, you know, she's like, hey, do you have to go to work? Well, yeah, sweetie, I do have to go to work. You know, this is what daddy does to pay for everything you want to do. So um, she she's curious, and she knows. Yeah. I had an incident not too long ago. It was a couple months ago that really opened my my daughter's 13, and it really opened her eyes. You know, she knows I do this job, but she doesn't know really what's involved. We were coming home maybe 30 seconds, 40 seconds from turning into my neighborhood, and we come across as one of the first person to come across a major three-car accident. I'm talking about it's it's bad. And uh, I stopped the vehicle to get out to see, not thinking. My natural reaction was, hey, there's no one around. Stop. I can see some guys hanging out of a window over here. Like, I can see it's a mess. And I, my initial thought process was to stop and check to see if everybody's okay. My daughter's in the car. My daughter gets out the car, and she's standing next to the car, and she's watching all this. She sees the guy who's hanging out the window who doesn't look alive. She sees just a mass mangled. And then helping all that halfway through it i turn and look and i see her standing there with just this look on her face and i was like well shit okay i you know i tell her about the job but now i just exposed her firsthand of what this is like right so yeah i had to when we got home i had to talk to her to make sure she was okay because i'm like well um my wife's like well why'd you stop like why you had her in the car i was like what do you mean why'd i I stop why why didn't i stop (laughs) yeah i could check if these people are alive i can call 911 and Tell them so the guys come and know you got one entrapped. You got one who's probably going to need airlifted out. You got you can give these guys an And I was like, well, so she got a little bit of a crash list in there. I was like, well, th- this is kind of what we do yeah. sometimes, you know. But I, I just remember turning and looking, and she's standing next to the car, ne- and just this look on her face of like, I was like, wow, okay. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Yeah, you know, I got this going on. Now I got her standing here watching. Even if I make her sit in the car, there's a window. She could still watch through the window. Yeah. So that was uh, an interesting little. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so we're going to, that's going to lead us into 
what you what you got what you created and i'm assuming your wife is with you and you guys you obviously created together the first responders pure support network tell us about that and how how that got started and we've we've been up and running now for three years um and like i said previously i was with another pure support team here in north carolina um and being here on the on the coast um there were not a whole lot of resources peer support wise at the time um and i felt a greater need in our area and i ventured out on my own and this is after i had come back from from two different uh visits to to a treatment center um i've spent a little over two months away from home uh, trying to get my mental health under control, um, to understand a lot of things about me. And when I made that decision to walk away from the fire department, um, I had learned a lot of things while I was up in Vermont. Um, and the biggest thing that, that I realized was that I had self-identified as the job. So I kind of chuckled when you asked me the first question of who is Eric Stevenson? Um, I had lost complete track of who I was um, because I self-identified as the job, you know, and we all do. You know, any first responder, military, you ask us what we do, and I am. I am a firefighter. I am a police officer. I am a Marine, you know, whatever. We self-identify as a job, and I I use the analogy a lot of the, the Subway commercial with the the sandwich artist, from subway you know that they use all the time if you go ask that guy that's making your lunch for you at subway who are you what do you do he's not going to tell you that he's a sandwich artist what's he going to tell you i work at subway right you know we're completely different you know and we self-identify as a job and i lived that for so long that i lost identity of who i was um until i went and i i sought help um, and while I was there, I realized who I truly was. Um, and for my own healing and recovery, I could not continue to heal from my past traumas if I was still exposing myself to the same traumas being on the job. Um, so I made the second most difficult decision in my life, and that was to walk away from the job. My first hardest decision was admitting I had a problem and asking for help. Um, two of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. And that prompted me to start our peer support network. Um, Like I said earlier, I had to find something that was truly bigger than myself, still kept me tied to emergency services. Um, And so we, we started our program. Um, Deb, she is on board with us. Deb handles the family support services side of our program. Um, Every service that we provide to the first responder, we provide to the family as well. Because if if you're struggling as a first responder, whether you know it or not, it's having a negative impact on your family. Your spouse, your children, your parents, it doesn't make a difference. They all care about you. They all love you. And if you're hurting and you're struggling, they're having some problems too. Um, and we thought that the, the family support services was so important because when I was away, um, Deb was pretty much left alone. And 
she doesn't have a whole lot of friends. She doesn't do a whole heck of a lot outside of of work, things like that. And, you know, pretty much everything that we do, we do together. Uh, so when I was gone, Deb was left by herself. And I'd have these conversations with her at night. I was in Vermont. She was in back here at home. And I feel lonely. That was the biggest thing that I took away from that is that my wife was alone and that she felt abandoned and she felt alone. Um, and so when I started this, I felt it was very necessary for her to be on board with us and that she heads up the family support services. Um, so perfect example, we've got, we've got a first responder at a treatment center down in Florida right now. Um, and either myself or Deb every day, we're texting that spouse. Hey, how are you? Everything okay? Just checking in. Hope you have a good day, whatever. Uh, and it's letting them know that they're not alone and that we are here for them. Two o'clock in the morning, you wake up and your spouse isn't there and you're struggling with that. Pick the phone up. We're going to be there and we're going to support you and we're going to talk to you. We're going to listen to you. Uh, so Deb is on board with us. Um, she helps me out a lot um you know you guys see us yep. up in raleigh yep. the the oh, conference yeah. just last week and uh, a couple of weeks ago down here in wilmington uh we left that one went straight down to to the south carolina fire expo she was down there with me for three days there um two weeks we'll be down in charleston drag her along with me for that <laughs> one uh safer nice in place. in august and so yeah She's uh, she's got her hands right in the middle of it, and I wouldn't be able to do a lot of things that we do without the help of, of my wife. Have y'all found great success going to these conferences, like talking to people? Oh, absolutely. Um, every time that we get to to go out and intermingle with the public or make a presence, um, it's a success. You know, Anytime I get to have a conversation with somebody, I get to hand a pamphlet, a business card, anything like that. That is a, a successful event for me um, because a lot of people don't even know that these types of services exist. Yeah, right. And we are not the only ones in North Carolina. There's at least three other really good peer teams that I know of in the state um, that offer some of the same services. Um but it's still amazing how many people don't know that these services are out there for them. Um, and so that, that's a win for me. Right. Uh, but we do. We get, a lot of, we get a lot of questions. We get a lot of FaceTime with people um, asking questions about the services we provide, uh, the educational classes and programs, things like that. So, yes, it, it is very successful for us. And I heard you mention something way earlier, and that is something – that I don't, well, I don't understand, but I think it's important. You had mentioned something earlier about possibly being involved with with the academy or yeah, like Cape Fear. I'm assuming Cape Fear's academy or something like that. Or, uh, or actually, academy. where where we're trying to get this initiated into the the fire academies is we're starting off at at Carteret, okay, at Carteret Community College, okay. Crystal Coast Fire yep. Academy. Um, over the last year, I've jumped back in pretty heavy with the fire academy okay. i now head that i head up the fire academy oh nice okay um so the state in the firefighter curriculum does have mental health that's what that's what in I was the curriculum bring up. like 
when you went through, it wasn't no, in no, there. No, it wasn't a thing. Um, and I would figure, at least in my opinion, one of the best ways to get the information out there is get it to all the, the academies and the new recruits. Go mm-hmm. At least make it a one-day mandatory part of the academy so these guys and girls know that this stuff exists and if, if and it's great to hear that they're going to be doing it in Carter they're doing it in Carteret yeah. Crystal Coast cuz I figure that's a, a, a great place to the start the state the office of state fire marshal um they took a positive proactive approach to it a few years ago uh started introducing it into the the certification program um Personally, would I like to see more of it yeah. in there a little deeper than what they have? Yes, absolutely. I'm sure. I haven't gone through, but I'm sure it's probably like a touch a segment of it. Yeah. Like there, probably health there, and wellness There's a little snippet yeah. in there. Um, and so I always make sure that I get to, to teach that portion of it. Yeah. And I dive into it a little bit deeper um, because, one, I have the lived experience yeah. with it. Uh, but, two, it is so near and dear to my heart, and it's so important because we we teach these, these guys and gals coming into this profession, we teach them every aspect of the job. We teach them how to do searches. We teach them how to, how to fight fire, cut holes in roofs, how to do vehicle extrication, you know, whatever else. We, we teach them every aspect of the job except for – what do you do with it afterwards? Yeah, what do you do when you go home and you just witness some of this this tragedy and we don't prepare them for it? And the job is not all rainbows and unicorns. No, no, yeah. You know, and coming in, you know, now high school programs, um, you can be certified at 18 years old and are you mentally prepared for some of the things that we're going to be seeing? Absolutely not. I know I wasn't. Yeah. That's for sure. Um, and when I started seeking help, you know, we were pulling things, skeletons out of my closet that were over 20 years old that I thought we had put to bed a long time ago. Absolutely not. Unresolved trauma yeah. um, and the accumulative buildup. So we are trying to incorporate it into the, the fire academies. Um our sister team down in South Carolina, the Low Country Firefighter Support Team, uh, Gerald Michoud runs that program, and he was instrumental in helping me get my program up and running. Um, I'll get invited down there to help them. Uh, Horry County, their fire academy, twice a year, call Gerald in. Nice. Yeah. That's hey, awesome to see. You've, got a, you've got a four-hour slot right here. Talk about first responder mental health to our guys. Um, so getting it very early on, yeah, we need to be taking that forward approach to it. Uh, we're really good at the recovery side of it. Uh, as a profession as a whole, we're really good at taking care of other people, and we suck at taking care of ourselves. You know, we always put everybody in front of ourselves. Um, and so, what can we do as a culture, as a, as an, just even as an organization? What can we do proactively to make sure that we're not having to to pull people out of the weeds? You know, let's start building some resiliency before they start encountering these bad situations, and we can hopefully have a positive outcome instead of you know the negative impacts of it. Yeah. You know, and that that's prevalent. You know, it's very obvious too. Look at our look at our divorce rate. You know, look at our suicide rate. Yeah. Look at our alcohol abuse rate, addiction to to substances and alcoholism, things 
things of those lines, all negative coping mechanisms. Yeah, yeah. We need to be more on the proactive side of it. I know for the longest it was the military, the military, the military was high. But now the fire, the law, it's just about right up there with the military. Absolutely. You know, we talked about it in one episode yeah. about the divorce rate in the yeah. fire service. And it's, it's, it's surprising when we Googled it. Just off Google, you know how that can be. You know, yeah. it's, it's hit or miss on the accuracy, but it was still up there, and it was surprising. But it's huge. Yeah. It really is. You know, substance abuse, same thing. You know, there was a survey I just read uh, not too long ago um, that they had, they had done a survey uh, with 4,000 fire department members. Um, and this was just the fire side of um, – out of the 4,000, it was something like 75% admitted to being intoxicated um, at least 10 times within the last 30 days. Wow. That's huge. You know, how many days of, how many days per month do we work if we're working at 24, 48? Average of 10 Roughly, days. Yeah, about to 10 days, right? yeah. And, you know, you start equating those numbers and it's like holy cow we do you know why are we not addressing the elephant in the room you know why are our guys going home and falling back on these negative uh coping mechanisms instead of trying to instill and reinforce good positive coping mechanisms of being able to open up and talk feeling comfortable about being able to open up and talk about things, uh, admitting they have a problem or that calls are bothering them. And we might be able to reduce those numbers, yeah. might be able to reduce the the divorce rate numbers, might yeah. be able to hopefully reduce the suicide numbers. Because that's far by taking the end-of-line duty deaths. Suicide is yes. way past now. Yeah. And it's crazy. It, it really is. Your, your department statistically um, – you are more likely to encounter a, a suicide than you are a line of duty death within your organization. Oh, yeah. And you, depending on what study you look at, you know, they say it's a, a three to one, you know, that you are three times more likely to have a suicide than you are a line of duty death. That's crazy. Um, it is. And we've had, and it's sad. And I mean, and you guys obviously, I think we've had a couple in this region in the last year or two. Yeah, and some some and people we have up by us as, yeah. as well. Yeah, so and then they introduce so I many new classes into the academies. You know, you, you get these brand new eighteen year olds and you put them through like fire and life safety educator. You know, they they don't even, they just went through you know how to be a fireman and now we expect them to do a training education program for a five year old. You know, that's 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 fine. I think it's okay, but I think this is a little bit more important how to deal with yourself than me teaching as a new recruit a five year old. You know. Uh, giving them a, a plastic helmet. And it's important. Don't get me wrong. You know, it's cool. I like that side of the job too, you know, because that's where you get to break away a little bit. And when you see a kid that's excited about a fire truck, hey, that's that's cool. You know, that's nothing bad about that. But, you know, if we're going to put that in there as a new recruit at 18 years old, 21 years old, whatever your hiring age is, why not put this in there? Right. How to deal with that? Because you get a fireman at 21 years old, you know, and they can legally drink now. You know, they go to the bar and they're going to start coping with their problems that way. You know, I ain't going to sit there and say that I haven't indulged in a couple myself, you know, oh, yeah. just to help cope. And, you know, I, I'm going to say I don't have a problem, but, you know, there's been some times where, you know, an, another one more than I should have sounded good. And what, what are we truly doing at that point? You know, hurting ourselves. We're hurting ourselves, right? You know, I'm not a big drinker. 
You know, so if I go tie one on because I can't get these weird thoughts or I can't get these images out of my head, I'm not really addressing the problem, right. you know, and now I've, I've compounded that problem because I wake up the next morning, I'm in a bad mood, I'm probably hungover, I don't feel well, and guess what's still sitting there? Yeah. The problem. problem that made me drink yeah. the night before, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. You know, is it can be a vicious circle, and that's why we get people that, that end up in trouble a lot of the time. So um, who's it for? Who's this program for? Who can reach out to you guys? I know we say first responders. And people, some people consider who is a first responder, who's not a first responder. Any, anybody, uh, to be honest with you, anybody that reaches out to us, we are going to try to get help. Okay. Um, I'm fortunate enough now where I can pick up the phone, even coming in, I had to tell a, a friend of mine who is a therapist um, that we were just having a, a general conversation, hadn't talked to her in quite a while. Um, hey, Kay, if you're listening, um, that I feel fortunate that I can I can pick up the phone at any given time and I can talk to five, six, seven different you know mental health professionals. Um, so we're not going to turn anybody away for help. Um but we are geared around the first responder community, anybody in the fire service, anybody EMS, law enforcement, military, uh, because of our community. You know, we are surrounded by military, yeah. and we get a lot of what I call the hybrid firefighters. Oh, yeah, military. Yep, military yep. coming into the fire service. They want that adrenaline still, and so they, they go join the fire department. Um so anybody in those fields, the telecommunicators, you know, truly the first first responders, they oh, pick yeah. that phone up. A lot of people overlook um, them. And when we go to to agencies, maybe we're doing a, a debriefing after a bad call. Uh, one of the first questions when we get that request is, have you asked the police department and the dispatchers, have you invited them? And, oh, man, no, didn't even think of them. Well, they need to be involved. Um, we've helped first responder families, um, even not first responder based issues, yeah. but we've had first responders reach out. Hey, my daughter is struggling with anxiety. Can you guys get her help? Sure. Absolutely. You know, and so we give them the referrals and we, we give them names and numbers to, to mental health professionals that we know might be able to help them. Um, and we, we know, that the people that we refer our first responders to are going to understand what they're dealing with. We go through a very stringent vetting process with our first, um, with our clinicians and with the treatment centers that we work with, and we make sure that they are going to fit the needs of a first responder. It's different than what EAP might be able to, yeah. to afford to people. Um, we definitely don't discourage people from utilizing EAP, but some of the resources that we have available to us might be a little bit different and might suit your needs a little bit better as a first responder. Okay. Um, can you let us know how those who are thinking they may need help can reach out to you guys? How would they go about contacting you guys? They can reach out to us 24 hours a day. Uh, we have a 24-hour number. Uh, that is 833-377-7648. Uh, our email address, uh, info at frpsn.org. Uh, reach us on social media, First Responders Peer Support Network. I try to make a post every single day. Um, 
doesn't always happen, no, but I, I try to stay on it. it yeah, I I try to stay on it uh, every day. I I think I missed Tuesday last week, um, but every day so far I've I've had one the, the rest of the week. But um, email and our phone number is is the easiest way. Um, if you're going to a conference or something in the state, safer we're set up there every single every single year for the last three years now. Um, yeah, you have any questions, any any requests, need some information, whatever else, please don't hesitate to to reach out to us. Yeah, I, I got one, and we've kind of gone over a lot. I mean, the impact, like the positive impact. You know, someone coming to you and actually opening up and saying help, and then at the, you know, I, I guess the end, you know, when they get that help, you know, what was the positive impact that someone's coming? Like they, they obviously are thankful for it, right? Or, the oh, absolutely. The the positive impacts of, you know, just a simple thank you, right? You know that that that's enough right there in itself. Um, but if you have somebody that that comes up to you and says, hey you helped save my marriage or you helped save my life. Um, and then they want to pay it forward right. and they want to be a member of the peer team or they want to know how they can get involved. And maybe they don't want to be, maybe they don't want to be on the peer team, but they want to figure out a way to help other people. And the best advice I can give them is you are a success story. You know, go advocate for other first responders, yeah, you know, cool. and I, I tell people a lot that I, I recover out loud for people that suffer in silence. And if I can make that impact with one person to maybe open their eyes or maybe make them realize that they're not as good as, is where they think they might be. Um, that's a win for me. Yeah. You know, so the positive impacts, we see them every day. That's good. Yeah. Cap Speakman before he retired, he, you know, he got into it. Yeah. Jimmy Speakman. And yeah, he, I know Jimmy really well. He he really opened up about, you know, some stories, not telling us, you know, personal information from people, but, you know, he was a big advocate there before he went out on peer support. And he, him got, he got into it, and he really stressed to us each shift about, hey, man, come talk to me. I live right here in district. Yeah. He goes, look, I, I, we'll talk about it over a beer if you want to. We'll, we'll go somewhere. We'll have dinner. And, you know, he very well – We'll try to get us to come if we had a bad call and talk about him and another guy, Scotty Hearing. We have. Um, I know Scotty really well. Yeah, he's he's really good. He's another one we can call and and talk to if we have a yeah. uh, an issue, you know, or you know a bad call or whatever it may be. You know, they were very good advocates to call and, and reach out and talk to. So. Scotty and Jimmy actually made the drive up to Carteret County one night for one of my peer support meetings. Oh, nice. oh really? Yeah, yep. They made the drive up and wanted to see what we were all about and everything else. And you know, I've. I'm good friends with both of them, and I know that they've they've both got their demons as well. Yeah. Uh, but there's nothing better than the the power of connection. You know, being able to to connect with somebody that truly understands what you're going through and can validate your feelings yeah. that you're not the only one that feels the way that you do, um, and to be able to make that positive connection in know that you've got people that you can rely on that are going to be there for you no matter what. And they're not just blowing smoke at you. They truly mean it. And they're going to live up to what they say. Um, it's a great feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the first guys 
that I, I met who really got into this topic, even though I met him on the educator side. And you may know him. You know Blaze Harris? Yes. Blaze. Blaze is a great guy, man. I don't. He's not even in the fire service anymore. But um, he's the first one I met, and he really opened when I was talking to him about his struggles and what he went through and everything he went through. And I was like, man, this guy, you meet him, looks like the intimidating guy. He's a big guy. And uh, I was like, well, this guy's opening up about his experiences. Right. You know, it can't, you know, I don't see why more people can't do it. Yeah. When you got these these tough-looking, rugged guys who, like, can do it. I'm like, you know, just something We're, to it, and you can get more people. We've got these mental blocks about yeah. it, and that's why I, I advocate every day on the importance of it and that it, it is okay to struggle. Yeah. You know, what's not okay is trying to keep that all bottled up inside. You know, you've got to have an outlet. You have to have a healthy outlet, and you have to be honest about it. Um Blaze, I've I've met Blaze. Uh, he used to work for Raleigh Fire Department, uh, and he's he's a mental health professional now. Oh yeah, he's a um, full, the full therapist. Yeah, with, you know, and I've I've got a team member. I've got a new team member um, here over the last couple months that sees Blaze, uh, nice. and he says that it, it's absolutely phenomenal. Dude, he's a great guy. So yeah, yeah. He he, I tell know. people he's the guy on the. If you, people who's Blaze, I'm like he's a guy on the poster. Yeah. The same poster Adam's on. Right. You know, the, the guy with his arms crossed with the yep. beanie on sitting there. Yeah. Have you done anything with Dina from Raleigh? Yes. She, um, we went we went to a conference a couple of years ago in Charlotte, and she spoke at the Carolina Fire Days, and she really put it in perspective. You know, you get up there, and it's all about fire this, fire that, searching this, you know, and how to break down a door and all that. And the next thing you know, you get her up there, and you're like, well, what's she going to talk about? And then she lays it all out. Yeah. I mean, she basically slapped everybody in the face in a good way. Right. You know, I mean that in a positive way with what she experienced and how her personal stuff went through. And it really opened us up. I I think out of every lecture that, that week, I really sat back in my chair and listened to her and her experiences. And she was awesome. And I see her, she's blowing storm through across the country yeah. and going across. from. I know she's in Spokane a lot. And I'd love to go listen to her again. And we've actually, I think we've reached out to her about if she's ever come, didn't we? Yeah. yeah if she ever makes this way to Surf City, we'd love to have her on here. Yeah. And, that was the first peer team that I I was associated with, um, and they're doing good things. Yeah. They really are. Um, not going to dive too deep into it. Yeah. Um, but what it comes down to is you've got to get the message out there. Yeah. And can you get it out there in a positive way, letting people know whether they reach out to to me or they reach out to her team or another peer team out in the western part of the state whatever the case is it's here yeah. you know and it, it is okay and i've heard some of of her presentations and they are yeah. she's knocking them out of the park she is you know the what she's doing on the the suicide prevention side of things um i heard her do one on sleep and I never really yes. thought about sleep. You know, something, yeah. something as simple as sleeping. It's not to me. It's like, oh, okay, whatever. You go to sleep. But when she talked, started talking about sleep, and I was like, you know, I never looked at it that well, way. That, how important sleep is. That's where the body health. and the mind recover. Yeah. And you know, nobody in the firehouse can really say that they sleep well. Um, you know, we're always on edge. We're always wondering what that next call is, when it's coming in, um, and sleep 
is so important to us for our mental health yeah. and for our body to be able to recover. Um, and we talk about that a lot when we do the basic mental health hygiene yeah. class um, of why sleep is so important. Okay, like I so for those who don't know, you guys are a nonprofit organization. Yes. For those out there who may want to send support your way or support financially, whichever way, how can they go about doing that? The the easiest way is through our website. Okay. Uh, we have a donation uh, button set up on the on the website. Um, they can jump on there, make a donation to the team if they see us out and about, uh, or if they they can't get to the website or whatever else, feel free to shoot us an email, um, help us out with a fundraiser event, you know, want to host something. Um, we're open for any and all, um, suggestions, uh, any type of help, you know, but the easiest thing, shoot us an email, jump on the website. And, um, if they would like to make a donation, we'll, we would be more than willing to accept oh, uh, good, yeah. because that, that is one of our biggest obstacles yeah. is the financial side yeah. of things, keeping things up and running, being able to, to get our, make the presence out and about at yeah. these different events and things like that. Right. So, so I know you mentioned you guys would be at safer in August. Do you guys have any other events coming up or safer is your next one coming up that you'll be at or no, actually uh, you did say uh, something about South Carolina correct? Yeah, coming up. Yep. South Carolina, Mount Pleasant, uh, the Low Country team uh, does an emergency services behavioral health. Okay, summit. I did see a, a flyer for that. Yet. Yes, I just posted that the other day okay, again. Yeah. Uh, that's coming up July thirteenth. It's in Mount Pleasant, right across the the bridge from from Charleston. Uh, one day event. I'm going to be um, I'm going to be presenting a program called From Surviving to Thriving, um, and it talks about the recovery process. Um, after that. July, August. I think our our next big event will be safer after that one. Um, then after that, October, we're going to be the. Uh, you guys be down at the um, fire college weekend college. Yeah. Okay. I know there's um, one that coming up in October. October, we'll be there. Um, also in October, we've got the executive fire officer program. Uh, that we are partnered up with the. The North Carolina Cancer Alliance. Okay. Um, and so we're going to be going in there and presenting a program called Having Difficult Discussions. Um, oh, that'd be good. Yeah. That'd be yep. really good. Difficult conversations based around on, you know, how do you address certain things? What do you say when when somebody comes to you and says that they are struggling or they've had a life-altering uh, medical diagnosis on the cancer side? Uh, so we're going to be doing that presentation as well in o- October. Sweet. Um, I know you mentioned it briefly earlier. I don't know if you want to go ahead and for those who are listening to this, you guys have a podcast, correct? You guys have recently started a podcast. Yes. You want to go ahead and throw that out there my, let people know what they can? Yeah, be a nice little plug right there. Yeah. Uh, myself and Travis Magaha with the, the Cancer Alliance, North Carolina Firefighter Cancer Alliance, um, started a podcast called All Clear, and it is All Clear Health and Wellness podcast um you can look it up on any one of the the platforms just type in all clear and we're gonna pop we're gonna pop up um we've got we just did we recorded a double episode this afternoon uh and i think that was like number seven or eight okay um 
that we've done. So I think there's five of them right now that are out in, you know, ready to be listened to. Um, but you name it, any, any topic on first responder health and wellness, um, we're addressing it. Right. Make sure you check that out. All clear. Yes. Okay. Um, Got any last? Any? I'm I'm good. All my questions are answered. It's been it's been a great. One. I truly appreciate you coming out, man. Spend guys, some time I, with us. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. I know uh, I know when you guys got started, you'd hit me up and yeah. said, "Hey, would you be interested?" And sure, absolutely. Anything that they can help us spread the word. Yeah. Uh, let people know that we are here. Uh, yeah, we're going to take full advantage of that. So I, I yeah. appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, to be we in were here. going through it, and we were talking about who we want to come on and. You know, we, we when we first talked, you know, you hear the, the regular people speak a lot, all these big names in the fire service, right? And I think me and TP, we want to not, not mean this in any way, but a small guy, right? Give them a chance. And, you know, coming in and y'all just started and, and your name, you and uh, Deb's name popped up. Like, hey, you know, y'all, y'all are doing something good. And so we wanted to get on there. And, and I, you know, this year has just been tough for us. And it's been tough for everybody. Yeah. Especially losing, losing some people. And so we've been talking the past couple of weeks about doing it. And then, that's why we reached out so quick. We want to get it on and get you going. Yeah, I we appreciate keep talking that. about it and talk about it. As I do, we have to pull the trigger. We keep talking about <laughs> it. But we're going to keep talking about it for the rest of the year if we don't actually pull the trigger. Yeah. Like we tell, hey, invite him. He's coming. Now he's coming. We have to do it. Yeah. There's no like, – he's coming. We have to We have to get back on it. But once yeah. again, I truly appreciate you coming on, you guys. Um, You can check out the First Responders Peer Support Network. You can check out their uh, website, frpsn.org. You can find you guys on Facebook, Pure uh, First Responders Pure Support Network. Do you guys have any social media besides the Facebook? Yeah, no, or, nope. okay, no, we don't. So, so it's hard enough to run one. It is. People don't. People don't realize it. Run is it's a pain in the butt. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming out. You have any last words or anything before we go ahead and call tonight? Don't be afraid to speak up. Yeah. That's the biggest thing right there. You know, don't hold that stuff inside. Make a phone call. Find a friend talk that is one of the biggest things that we can do so i appreciate you guys having me here yeah tonight. no problem it's thank been, you it's been great and we uh appreciate you guys listening to us we're yeah. uh cool. back and we're gonna be active again and uh expect some more episodes to come out this one should be coming out in a day or so so give it a listen if you ain't heard it those who might be online and caught parts of it make sure you listen to the whole thing and uh that's us yard breathers got any last words no thank you appreciate you guys thanks <laughs>